It's Saturday, October the 16th, and this is your morning briefing from The Economist. Coming up, a British MP is murdered and a deadly blast in Afghanistan. First, the week in brief. British police said they were treating the killing of Sir David Amos, an MP who had served in Parliament since 1983, as a terrorist incident. Sir David was stabbed to death at his regular open meeting with constituents. A man with, quote, a potential motivation linked to Islamist extremism was arrested and a knife recovered. The death of the senior Conservative politician shocked his fellow parliamentarians. Joe Cox, a Labour MP, was similarly murdered in 2016. Islamic State claimed responsibility for two suicide bombings that killed more than 40 people during Friday prayers at a Shia mosque in the Afghan city of Kandahar. A week ago, Islamic State Khorasan province, the local branch of the terrorist outfit, committed a suicide attack that left nearly 50 people dead in the northern city of Kunduz. Capping a stellar third quarter on Wall Street, Goldman Sachs reported revenues of 13.6 billion US dollars, up by 26% year on year and well above forecasts. The recent surge in corporate deal-making and stock market flotations was a boon for the firm. Its investment banking division raked in 3.7 billion US dollars in fees, the second best quarter on record and 88% higher compared with the same period last year. From November 8th, foreign travellers may enter America, a White House spokesman said, removing bans instituted at the start of the pandemic. Air travellers will need to show proof of vaccination and a negative COVID-19 test result from the previous three days. Those arriving by land, just the former. Toyota, Japan's biggest car maker, cut its planned global output for November by around 15% blaming the worldwide shortage of microchips. The company had previously cut production targets in September and October due to a shortage of components. Nonetheless, it still hopes to make its target of 9 million vehicles for the year ending March 31, 2022. Netflix fired an employee it says was responsible for leaking, quote, confidential, commercially sensitive information about a controversial television show by Dave Chappelle, an American comedian. Mr Chappelle stands accused of making transphobic jokes. Some staff at the streaming service are reportedly organising a walkout in protest at its airing. Three Chinese astronauts arrived on the Tiangong space station, after a successful docking by their Shenzhou 13 spacecraft. Their planned six-month stay in zero gravity would be the longest yet on a Chinese mission. The crew will lay the groundwork for more construction on Tiangong, which, with the planned retirement of the International Space Station, may soon be the only manned vessel in near-Earth orbit. And word of the week. Selenology. Noun a branch of astronomy that studies the physical features of the moon. 
And now, here's today's agenda. Nature's Finest Wildlife Photographer of the Year You can see the amount of flies, you can imagine the smell, says Roy Gallitz, a photographer. He documented a lion cub gorging on an elephant's carcass in Terengire National Park, Tanzania. The remarkable scene is one of 100 often visceral photographs on display at Wildlife Photographer of the Year, an exhibition produced by the Natural History Museum in London. The winning photographs were selected from more than 50,000 entries. They are both sublime and sobering. As well as cavorting squids and swimming cheetahs, signs of human encroachment on the natural world are visible throughout. The exhibition is well-timed. More than 100 countries promised to better protect nature at a UN conference this week. But their pledges to preserve biodiversity do not yet amount to actions. Photos like these offer a compelling reason to do more than just make statements. Hong Kong's pain, the pillar of shame. As testaments to human suffering go, it is hardly subtle. Daubed in orange and red, Hong Kong's pillar of shame is an eight-metre tower of naked bodies writhing together in agony. It was created in 1997 by Jens Galshio, a Danish artist, to commemorate the massacre of students around Tiananmen Square in Beijing in 1989. Since then, it has stood at Hong Kong University, in the city that was, until recently, the only part of Chinese territory where memorials to the atrocity were permitted. But in the past two years, the Chinese government has quashed such freedoms. The pro-democracy organisation to which Mr Galshio loaned the statue disbanded last month. Some of its leaders are already behind bars. The university ordered that the statue be removed by October 13th. It remains standing, but its days are numbered. Mr Galshio says he could take it to Denmark, perhaps to commemorate oppression in Hong Kong as much as in Beijing. Venus in Furs – The Velvet Underground They were three scrappy New Yorkers and a Welsh violinist roaming around the Big Apple making strange, experimental music. One of them, the gravel-voiced Lou Reed, sometimes tuned all six of his guitar strings to the same note, because why not? The Velvet Underground, formed in 1964, pushed the boundaries of rock music. One associate recalls it was music that, quote, shouldn't have existed. A new documentary, released yesterday on Apple TV, looks back at their story. Andy Warhol became their manager in 1966, designing the iconic banana cover for their first album. Their chaotic, subversive live shows soon ignited the city. Jackie Kennedy even turned up once. Even so, commercial success proved elusive. Radio stations banned them, record sales were poor, and they split after only a few years. But they left their mark. As Brian Eno, a celebrated producer, once reportedly quipped, quote, 
The first Velvet Underground album only sold 10,000 copies, but everyone who bought it formed a band. Neural Inc. Your brain has a unique signature. Technology is rapidly changing the way in which people can be identified. Fingerprints, voices, faces and even retinas can all serve as proof of identity. In recent years, neuroscientists have developed perhaps the most personal method yet, brain fingerprinting. Using MRI scans, they can build a fluctuating model of a person's brain activity called their connectome. Despite the fluctuation, scans of the same individual's brain taken days apart can be matched up with 95% accuracy. On Friday, Science Advances, a journal, reported that neuroscientists have refined the technique further. A unique neural snapshot can now be obtained in just 100 seconds. The authors say brain fingerprinting could be employed to diagnose neurological conditions such as autism early. Tests are already underway for Alzheimer's disease, which seems to entail a loss of the sufferer's unique neural signature. The possibility of an unforgeable mental signature may soon escape the realm of science fiction. Taking Down Giants Cricket's T20 World Cup At the 50-over Cricket World Cup in 2007, two upsets saw Ireland and Bangladesh qualify for the knockout rounds at the expense of India and Pakistan. The International Cricket Council regarded the early exits of two of the game's powerhouses as a failure. So it reduced the number of spots for smaller teams at its tournaments to prevent this from happening again. But running the sport as a closed shop has not been conducive to growing its fan base and attracting sponsors. In 2014, it started to open to more small countries. The 2020 World Cup, which begins this weekend in the United Arab Emirates and Oman, features 16 teams. There will be 20 at the next edition in 2024. Minnows such as Namibia and Papua New Guinea if they qualify from a mini-league, can face the likes of India and Australia. The potential for a giant killing is raising the stakes of the tournament. Finally, here's the quote of the day from Noah Webster, who was born on this day in 1758. The heart should be cultivated with more assiduity than the head. That's it from The Economist Morning Briefing, available every weekday and on Saturdays. You can hear interviews and analysis from our journalists, including our current affairs podcast, The Intelligence, by searching for The Economist on your podcast app or asking your smart speaker to play the latest Economist radio podcast. And as a subscriber, you have access to each week's full edition in audio. Just download The Economist app to start listening. 